Broadcast Center. It's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go on a Wednesday. Cofield and Company. Battleborn Broadcast Studios. Willie Ramirez is here. Steve Cofield back in our Finley Toyota Studios. It is Ari. Let's get to it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. So lots of NFL coming up today. We're going to uh, get back into the UNLV coaching search and more reaction to Marcus Arroyo going bye-bye on Monday. Um, we really didn't talk about it much yesterday. Uh, we got into it in the 5 o'clock hour, and John Denton, former UNLV quarterback, chimed in and, and mentioned his candidate and what he thought about the job. His candidate was Nick Rolovich, so we can hit on that a little later in the hour with Caleb Herring, another formal, former quarterback with the Rebels. But um, I've been mostly kind of sitting back watching the chatter. And it's really interesting what a coaching search does to social media and Twitter and who claims to have expertise and kind of how ballsy people get in talking about the coach who is fired. Because I didn't see a lot of that talk about Marcus Aurel before he was fired. But a uh, really interesting thing happened late last night, early today. In college football, because what happens with these college football openings, you'll get some names that are from out of nowhere. And I can't blame people because the Colts turned everything on its ear with the hire of Jeff Saturday straight out of the TV studio to run an NFL team. So at this point, we did scream at people because they make suggestions about other broadcasters or former players who have no coaching experience taking over a Division One program. I, they, have, they have the right to their opinion if they think that person can do it. But today, Trent Dilfer, who's been coaching high school football, Kind of like Jeff Saturday, former broadcaster. I don't know what happened with Trent's broadcast career, but uh, maybe he voluntarily walked away. But, you know, he was kind of a high riser in broadcasting, but he is going to get the UAB job. Does that reset things for you when it comes to the UNLV job? What's your reaction? Because I also saw you – did you send over a note that Dilfer's out of the mix? You weren't serious on that one for the right, UNLV job, sarcastic. right? Okay. I was being sarcastic when I sent it over with the with the AP story and just said, well, UNLV is out of the running just because of all the names that were thrown in there. But – I, I actually said it snarkily because of the fact that um, there's just no telling with the names that are being thrown out there and the dollar signs that everybody's expecting to be spent, uh, you know, where they're going to find these dollar signs. So, no, I just threw that out there. But my reaction is that, you know, I it, it, it stunned me, and not because I don't know whether or not he's qualified or not to coach at the college level, but more so like you said, I had never heard his name as a coaching candidate in the past. So, you know, and, and, and I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't know. I, I haven't heard much about his broadcasting career ever since that, that notorious video went viral where he said, you cannot lose games in the NFL and still win. Yeah, well, right. that's, that's always been one of the funny gifts or, or video virals. Right. So I don't know what's happened. Ever. I don't think that ended his broadcast career. He's a very good broadcaster. He's a good quarterback. No, he's, a good he's, got a, yeah. he's got a really good delivery. Um, but he was coaching high school football. And sometimes names like this come from out of nowhere. You know, you get a couple of people who get the ball rolling out of university and, you know, they want to hire someone. Um, you know, I mean, look, look at a couple of years ago, UNLV basketball, uh, a couple of media jabronis tried to push the Mike Miller thing into the mix, which I thought was one of the dumbest things ever because the parameters were you got to have a degree to be a candidate for the head coach position. 
and yet people will throw out their own names. I mean, I've seen I've seen names mentioned the last couple of days that I think are just doing solids, like media people just doing solids for someone who they're friends with, a former athlete, you know, young head, um, young assistant coach somewhere. Right. And they're like, hey, you know what? I'll throw your name out there. I I actually think it's incredibly disrespectful to the job itself and to the school. But hey, everyone's got different sets of rules, and if they feel like they got to pay off some favors, then. I guess they do that. Um, I, some of the names I've seen have been. Well, who stupid. are some of the names of 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 at, or former athletes that you're talking about? Because um, I threw names of three of them. Who'd you throw out? I threw a list just 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 for kicks, but I actually am serious about two of the three. Who? Hunky Cooper, Randall Cunningham, and Keenan McCardell. Two of them I could see because they both have been to the assistant coach, and everyone said, "Well, he wants a head coaching. They want someone with head coaching experience." Okay, well. At what point do you get head coaching experience? It's kind of like the old adage where, well, I can't get experience without getting a job, but I can't get a job without experience. Okay, well, Hunky Cooper is one of the most beloved UNLV all-purpose football players. He's a godfather of the Arena Football League, if you will. He's beloved in Southern Nevada and has ties to Southern Nevada, which apparently was one of the knocks against Marcus Arroyo and supposedly a bad thing that he did during his coaching career because he didn't recruit heavily recruit, apparently, in Las Vegas. Uh, Hunky Cooper's won state championships with Canyon Springs. Coach Donnell Pumphrey, who went on to play with for the Philadelphia Eagles, had a minor, you know, bit of a time in the NFL. Anyway, he's been an assistant in, in the Mountain West Conference. UNLV is the type of program where you get your first head coaching job. Sorry to tell, disappoint all of I, you. I don't think it can be that anymore. Keenan Keenan McCardell is an assistant, was a wide receiver that played with Lonnie Pillay, Dave Pappas those days, and his name's been thrown out there in general just from former alumni saying, hey, we'd like to see it. Randall I threw in the mix. just to, That one I just threw out there just to, because why do he's, that? he's not. But why do that? Because when people say it, then then they assume that's what the job is. No, that it's a that it's a starter job for a guy like Randall Cunningham. No, it's a starter job for a guy like Demarco Murray. Well, I don't. I, no, I wouldn't. I don't know about Demarco Murray. I mean, I think Demarco could be a head coach years from now, but he's you know he's just getting into the whole thing, right? I mean, but, to me, you don't you don't go from a a longtime assistant coach around college football of fifteen plus years. He's a head coach for three here. They go from zero to two to five wins. You blow him out without giving him a fourth year, and then you're going to give Randall Cunningham or Demarco Murray the job. I'm taught when I said I threw Randall Cunningham. The reason I said I threw it out there, I don't think, I it's not that I don't think he's capable. I don't think that he would want it, but he's coached at the high school level, mm -hmm. and we saw it happen. I mean, are are all these guys candidates to be staffers? I think Hunky Cooper is very interesting. He's never been a coordinator except for a minor league pro football league. He's been right. the wide receiver coach at San Diego State. Um, I mean, I would ask them why they haven't bumped him up to OC. I've seen. He's been there since 2015. I but I think I think Hunky is absolutely a candidate to be in the mix. I I also I I don't know Hunky like you do. I also I think Hunky knows the UNLV environment. Obviously, he's very familiar with it, right? He has experience firsthand. But I think he's he's been watching it and he knows what it's been like trying to recruit. You know, UNLV recruit in the market while he comes in and gets who he wants. So I don't even know if he'd be interested. I spoke to Hunky Cooper. So he's interested. He, he's not that he's interested in this job. What he told me is this. He's never not interested if somebody's interested in him. Right. And he loves Southern. His words were, I love Southern Nevada. I would be open to listening to somebody. But the thing is, Willie, or Willie G, as he calls me, in the it, and since I've been in coaching, there have been three openings at that. I've never even gotten a phone call. He should get a call. 
He's never yeah, even got. Yeah, one. there should be a discussion. So, yeah, so I'm not. And just, he certainly I'm should be. He certainly should be thrown out um, as a candidate for coordinator. Right. So well, why not? That's the next step. And now, now there are people who are listening right now who I'm sure can name you know eight different people who've jumped up from special teams coach to be a head coach. Right. Okay. You know what? I mean, if they gave him an interview and they're thrilled with him and they think he can make the jump to head coach, then yeah. But I think some of the other names, like I Hunky's got experience. I think some of the other names who are you know, barely into coaching. I just, I think this is too big a job. And if you don't think it's that big a job, then I, I think you've been, not you, but I think people in the audience have just been kind of beaten down by the consistent losing. I don't think and they don't think, and they think the job is a minor job. Cause I see a lot of people outside the market who are like, who's going to want that job. You know? And then, and now we're to the point where we're discussing money and it's like a one and a half million dollar salary that Arroyo was at. That's not good enough. Folks, you're getting way too caught up in the money. On the group of five level, you can. There are plenty of coaches who will coach for that kind of money, and there are also lots of guys who are on the rebound who are coaching for the for that kind of money and would coach for that kind of money. Stop with the money thing. You have no idea what you're talking about. Well, you don't know what's available. You don't know what guys would take. Every case is different. When it comes to as far as UNLV itself, um, I think that I'm not lessening or demeaning the job in the institution by saying. You know, well, who wouldn't want it or, or putting it on a certain level? But it is certainly a position where a guy like Hunky Cooper, with the experience he's had at levels that he's been at and the ties he has, that this is a perfect spot for a first year job. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. Now, back to Cofield and Company at the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, rolling on here on a Wednesday as uh, the UNLV football coaching search is well underway. We'll get into some Raiders in about 15 minutes. We've got Justin Watkins coming in as well. We're at the Battleborn Injury Lawyer Studios, the BBBBBBC. He'll be in to uh, talk a little VGK, some legal stuff going on with uh, tickets Ticketmaster and ticket resellers. Willie is here. It's Cofield. So we were just talking about what we've seen the last couple of days, social media, some people putting out lists for candidates. It always happens, Willie, where you're going you're gonna to have upwards of like 25 or 30 candidates. Uh, most of them are not legit. You know, you start getting the, the, the cup conversation where, you know, this person, this person, this by the end, who knows how many candidates are on the list. But um, yeah, I've seen some names that I think are just kind of absurd and don't really fit what uh, Eric Harper said on Monday. But we had a good discussion a couple minutes ago about Hunky Cooper, and that's okay. You know, he's tied to the university. Why not? He's got a lot of coaching experience. I hope they talk to him. That, that would and be he's cool. A, he's, he's still in that, you know, he, he's he, obviously he's older. He's closer to our age at this point, but he's still he's still one of those guys that's a that could be a player's coach. Sure, and he's gonna he's gonna gain your respect. He's gonna earn your respect. He's gonna be in your face, but he's also you know the big name that everybody obviously right away get Deion Sanders. But in respect to UNLV, he's he Hunky Cooper could be that type of person, just minus what who Deion Sanders is. What do you sense the fans want? What message do they get from Eric Harper and UNLV? What are the expectations now? 
Well, I think that there's a mix. You're, you're stepping up from Marcus Arroyo, right, in terms of name and experience. Yeah. Isn't, that, isn't that what was kind of sold on Monday? Yes. I think that at this point, everybody is expecting, the majority, when I say everybody, is expecting a big name. Why can't we get a big name? You know, the biggest name, obviously, that this institution's ever had is John Robinson. He came in here feeling challenged. Well, I could turn that program around. Mm-hmm. And to a degree, I mean, he had some winning seasons. He went to a bowl. But, I mean, he it, it didn't last. It didn't sustain. You know, there are guys that have taken over other programs, and then it just lasts. And then whoever comes in, they just continue to fit that mold, and the program stays like that. I think you'd like a big name and someone who's going to stay. Which means that you're not going to get someone who's 48 on the bounce back, who if they bounce back with four good years may not jump again. It may have to be an older coach. I've seen some people bristle at Gary Patterson at Gary Patterson because he's in his 60s and he wasn't great down the stretch at TCU. By the way, TCU seems to be doing pretty well right now with many of Gary Patterson's players. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know where like I mean, I, like when I when I see people then ripping a Gary Patterson. I'm like, I don't know what you want. Like, you're never going to be satisfied if that's the kind of guy with that kind of experience and that sort of winning history and a history in the in the conference. Well, that, I, that to me is weird. I didn't, as you say, bristle at Gary Patterson for that reason. I bristled because I didn't know if he would be interested in the UNLV. Monday, that was my reaction when that was one of the first three names that was thrown out there. Yeah. I was like, huh? huh? Why, why, why would he want to come here when he's already – Everybody says that, you know, what was the big thing, right? When Marcus Arroyo was 4-1, and one, and there were word, well, Pac- or the uh, Power 5, he's out, going to go. Lindy LaRock wins the Mountain West Conference. She's, oh, she's going to leave for the Pac-12. Or, yeah, for the Pac-12. Everybody's leaving for a Power Conference. Well, if Gary Patterson's already been there, what's he coming back here for? That was my thought process. And it's not to diminish UNLV. It's to say, if they're using UNLV as a stepping stone and you've already stepped to a Power 5, what are you coming back for? now? Maybe there's no Power 5 opportunity available. Well, in 48 hours, I've sort of changed my mind in the John Robinson aspect that maybe he looks at this job, Gary Patterson, at his age, like you just said, maybe he looks at this job where, you know what? I could turn that program around. I could retire from football my, from the enti- for my entire life in a decade. Maybe I could take over the AD job because, oh, hey, Eric Harper's just starting in a sense. He's been in, 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 in college institutions, right, for, what, 20 years? But what if Kansas State comes knocking down his door and, he, and they need an AD? Is he staying or is he going to a power conference, power five? So is Gary Patterson capable of taking over a football program and then maybe – jumping into administration? Who knows? So I've sort of softened my stance on, well, maybe he would want to come here because it, he looks at it like a challenge, like John Robinson did. I'm not softening my stance on Deion Sanders. I don't think that he's coming here. I don't think that he needs to come here. I don't think he wants to come here. I think Deion's next step is Power 5. Yes, 100%. The and one- two, of the, two of the schools that have been thrown out there, and I didn't see if there was a decision made today, but two of the schools that are thrown out there – have been Power 5, but they're making the jump. Check that. Have been Group of 5, they're making the jump to Power 5 in uh, South Florida and Cincinnati. So right. those would be interesting spots for him. He's done enough. He's a big enough name that he can jump straight to Power 5. I'm not mad at that. No, I'm not mad at it at all. I mean, I don't I don't think Colorado's a good match for him. The other two spots, hey, if they want him, 
He thinks Cincinnati he can get the he thinks he can get the job done. Then go take the job. Cincinnati would definitely be interesting. So with South Florida, I mean, they're they're both you know entertaining. I still think Dion is more of a developmental guy. I'd like someone who's already been established, and uh, you know, if they're interested, I'd be super interested in someone who has been at Group of Five, got the bump up for some reason or another. It didn't work out at Power Five, and they're like, hey, you know what? There's more security hey. at Group of Five. I'm ready to go back. AKA Brian Harson. If Harson would listen, sure, that he should be in the conversation. I think Tom Herman should be in the conversation. This is one that goes way back with Eric Harper. I talked to Mike Stoops. You know, he was a longtime coach. Didn't win big at Arizona. It was usually, you know, in his best years was around that like six, seven, eight mm-hmm. win level. But, you know, obviously has great coaching experience. And you know, guys like that, if they're still coaching, then they probably have a little bit of interest in being a head coach. You know, it's a real rarity when you get – a Rocky Long, right? Rocky Long was at San Diego State, and he's like, I think I've had enough. Yeah. Now, then his his uh, protege calls him in New Mexico, and he's like, hey, you know, come back and be the D.C. And he basically, you know, basically he walked away from San Diego State to be a D.C. The other one, I'll, I'll you know, I threw out the name on Twitter the other day about, um, about Shaw at Stanford, right? And people are like, oh, my God, he walked from Stanford to go to UNL. He didn't walk from Stanford. Can we stop that, please? This mutual decision to walk away, cut it out. We know what happens. You know, guys guys are, you know, you get together with school management and, you know, you're told, hey, you know what? We're probably going to make a move here. Let's have you control the story. You control the, the uh, narrative. Let me ask you this. Um, last year we saw the sudden move shakeup of Jay Norvell, right? And he, he jumped ship in conference, stays in the Mountain West, takes a bunch of recruits with them. But is there somebody who you could see seeing the attractiveness of the entire picture, Las Vegas, the facility, the Allegiant Stadium, the money that's now available for NIL, that's for, you know, boosters. Is there someone within the conference that might be interested that would jump ship and shock everybody? Do you have a name? No, I'm asking you. You, you, you're because you travel with the team. You're you do sideline reporting. You do you're saying play is there another play. coach in the conference? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not thinking one off the top of my head. No, I just was. I, just, I figured you had a name. No, 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 no. I just was thinking it. I was just sitting here. We were talking, and we right. brought up Brian Harson, and I was thinking I. Wonder, that was a really rare situation, where you have a school that you know has money or thinks it has money, and yeah. the school that's you know piss poor. In the case of Nevada, so they were kind of right for the picking. And Norvell was kind of done with the whole situation. I think COVID pushed him to the edge. Yeah. I mean, you want Timmy Chang? I don't think he's going to bail on Hawaii. I don't think. I don't Timmy think that would be the home run hire that people are asking for. No, he's he's a, oh, he's a former alum. Yes, and that's, and that's the other thing. He's tied to the school. Right. Imagine. And I don't think Brent Brennan is dissatisfied at San Jose State. Now I'm starting to look at the list of you know. So Brent, when you not Craig, Craig Bowling going anywhere? Well, when, when people knock former alum, bringing in, why do we have to always tie in former rebels? I got that. I got a tweet like that. Why do we always got to tie in a former rebel? I don't know, but Timmy Chang went to Hawaii. They may not have done too good, but they beat Well, Timmy UNLB. Chang had been coaching. I mean, it was that was a quick jump up. He hadn't been a coordinator yet. Okay, Hunky Cooper's been coaching. I just said Keenan McCardell's Porter, been coaching. Yeah, so, so Hunky Cooper could be like a Timmy Chang. Right. Well, you're really, you're really on Hunky. 
Yeah, I don't see anyone else in conference. Well, no. because I'm There's not no going to throw other names out there that I haven't spoken to or that I've gotten from third parties in in and source it out there because that's not that's not my style. You know what I'm saying? I I yeah. don't know for sure. I know that I spoke to Hunky. We we chatted, and it's not that like he want. It's not like he said I want the job. What you know, make a call or or, or put my name out there. Right. I'm just saying well, that I we like, had a conversation. I like what you said. He's yeah. like he's. A, I've never been called. He's never so been called. He, Three he openings should, since then. Yeah. He should he should be called. There should be a discussion. 364 A couple tickets available right now for a Wednesday show next week. ZZ Top is in town. 8 o'clock show. You can grab your own tickets to Ticketmaster. It runs from the 3rd through the 10th. Tickets start at 68 bucks. Ticketmaster.com. But Ari's got a pair of tickets to go see ZZ Top at the Venetian Theater. It's coming up on Wednesday, the 7th. 364-1100. Caller 7. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez. Or tweet the show at Cofield & Co. He's a quarterback, let's just say that. He can throw it to any part of the field. Great arm strength. You see the intelligence in terms of getting in and out of plays. I mean, just the growth of a young quarterback with all the physical skills and the mental capability is tough. And then on top of that, when he gets in trouble, he can make plays with his feet. Yeah, it's not like he's just running just for the sake of running. He's running to throw the ball down the field or running to get first down. So it's a difficult challenge. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, Willie, how alive are the Raiders? They did show some good signs. Uh, defense was certainly better in Seattle. Well, it's it's tricky because there have been, I think, I, I would have to say that there's more disappointments this year in the NFL than there are surprises or pleasant surprises or things that we expected. So, I mean, if you look collectively up and down the AFC, it's realistic. Like the Raiders, do I dare say this, Steve? If they win out, they can get in the playoffs. They played 11 games, six wins gets them to 10. Now, I don't remember what you had said at the beginning of the season, but I had them at 10 wins. And I said, that's going to get them in the playoffs. So if they finish the season six and zero, oh, they're ten and seven. I mean, they're the the best team in the AFCs right right now is Kansas City sitting at nine and two, Miami and Buffalo eight and three, and then you got seven and four teams. From there, you're gonna you got the Chargers on deck. So if the Raiders beat them, that's one that's not that's keeping them at six wins while they get to five, and you win out. Uh, I you know I don't think the Chargers are winning out. They're banged up. The Raiders are only going to get healthy. So the reality is, is that yes, they are still. I mean, they're still capable of getting to the. In my opinion, becoming playoff eligible. But do they do that? Is the question. They still have a very tough uh, schedule. Now, the momentum's in their favor with four of their final six games being played at home. You want to know what I think the toughest game for them is going to be, or could be potentially, is Christmas Eve against Pittsburgh. That's tougher than the Niners at home and the Chiefs at home. Yes, because if they're playing with momentum and they're winning and their confidence level continues to grow off of what they've done, uh, these are teams that could come in and sort of overlook the Raiders and not expect, maybe come in expecting to beat the Raiders. Slight chance the Chiefs have nothing to play for, although I doubt it, last week of the season. Right. Well, Niners, not really. Niners, I mean, they're Niners, nine will be, and two. Niners will be playing for something. Yeah, the yeah, I mean, right now in the AFC, the closest team to the Chiefs, uh, both the Dolphins and the Bills, and only one game back. So they would have, those teams would have to go into a hellacious, poor spell 
and the uh, Chiefs would have to you know race off to like fourteen and three. And I'm not sold on either one of them. One of them's, I mean, I think that you know. So you do think the Chiefs could be in a position where they yes. already have the number yeah. one slot? Clear. Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. The last week of the season, Kansas City could have the number one slot locked up. They could be ahead of one of those two teams, Miami Buffalo, by two games. Absolutely. So um, schedule the rest of the way, just for listeners who don't have it memorized. I mean, they're winnable games. I mean, it's laughable. You know, I'm sure people out there driving around are like, this team stinks. They're four and seven. I don't think they stink. I think they've lost a lot of close games. I think okay. they kind of mentally mentally broke when Derek Carr was crying after a game a couple weeks ago. Rest of the way, they got Chargers. They're at Rams next week. Rams, I think, are on the verge of just packing it in. Mm-hmm. Almost every one of their high-priced players is hurt right now. Yep. Patriots at home will be super interesting. You mentioned the Christmas Eve at the Steelers, which will be a celebration of the immaculate reception. And I think they're retiring – I. I have to double check this. It sounded weird. They're retiring Franco Harris's jersey or something like that. I don't know. Um, but then uh, last two games are Niners and Chiefs. So I mean, could they make a run? I guess they won two in a row now. So and most of these games they've lost have been close outside of the freaking Saints disaster. Yeah, and I'm looking at the Niners schedule. They've got Miami this week, which I think that they're going to handle. Um, they then the Buccaneers. That's going to that's somewhat of an interesting game just because of the division the Buccaneers are in and where they're at. Uh, then they go to Seattle, and that's a division rivalry. So um, that's going to be a tough game for them. The sandwich home game is against Washington. And I guess the question is, where's Washington going to be? You know what I mean? Washington's sitting at 7-5. and five. Where could they be fighting for in, for a wild card? Could they, could they bring, you know, something to the West Coast and, again, catch San Francisco overlooking this team? Then Frisco comes here. So, you know, just leading up to their trip to Vegas. You're saying there's a chance. I'm saying, there's, saying a there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. Tomorrow we'll be on the road at Silver Sevens. They've got a, a great Thursday gift card giveaway throughout December. And tomorrow is the beginning of December. You got to sign up for the A Play card. And then shortly after our show, we're there every Thursday from two to five. Shortly after our show, starting at six for the next four and a half hours, every 30 minutes, they give away gift cards. This week, it's an Amazon gift card worth $100. They'll be giving away multiple gift cards at 6, starting at 6 until 10.30 at Silver 7s. Did you see some of the injury news? So, it's not a guarantee of what's going to happen, but Josh McDaniels said, not sure what the window is right now. When Renfro and Waller are eligible to come back, it could be against the Rams. What do you think about what he said? Doesn't sound super confident. And does it depend on, hey, if they win this one, all of a sudden you're 5-7, and you've won three in a row, Maybe there's a little more energy to get one or both of those injured players back. I'm more, I'm more optimistic. Waller comes back before before Renfro. I, I'm not sure about Renfro. I, I I still think that the, uh, I still think the blow to the head. Before the blow to the head, if you remember correctly, against the Arizona Cardinals, if you remember two plays prior to the, the that final hit. On the on the walk off win, I still think he's. I think I think that did a number on him. Yeah. So Renfro, I don't know about Waller. I have a feeling that he's going to be have a chip on his shoulder and going to be wanting to cut. I mean, I think that he's been doing whatever it takes to get to to fix that hamstring, get it worked on, get it better, rehab it, treat it, and get on the field. I don't care what anyone says. The fact that he told Adam in the story that. He got. He purposely got off social media. He did everything. He's done everything he can. He told me personally at the Aces game back in the in August or whatever it was, 
whenever the season was going, that uh, that he doesn't. Uh, he, that's why he gave me his number. He says I don't go on social media, so don't even message me there. I have, <laughs> I have someone running my my accounts, so I was like, okay. So he doesn't look at him for a reason. So regardless, doesn't mean that. So so just because he's not paying attention to that stuff, don't think that there's not a bug in his ear, and he knows that. You know, there's a big spotlight on him. You said, you know, you have the hold in, you switch the agents, mm-hmm. and you, you know, the whole issue. Well, no, there really was a hamstring. You said, well, no, now I'm fine. Rosenhaus signs and he's back at practice. Then all of a sudden, he's really not having that big of a game, uh, a big of a performance in these early in the season. Now he's hurt again. Now he's on the R. Got to sit out for four. This dude wants to get on the field. Join Cofield and company on Thursdays for the live 2 to 5 show at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. During all NFL games this season, get 77 cent beers. It's Thursday night football at Silver 7's Flamingo in Paradise. We're tied at 68. Five and a half to go. Here comes Townsend. Down the court. Looking for the win. Townsend. A step back three on the way. Count it! San Diego with a walk-off win! Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. Let's talk a little UNLV sports, a little NFL with Caleb Herring on this Wednesday. Willie Ramirez is here. You hear uh, San Diego with a uh, game winner at the end of the game. Uh, UNLV basketball will be playing San Diego on Saturday. 6.30, running Rebel warm-up, 7 o'clock tip for the Rebels against the Toreros. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? I am I am doing good. I'm, I'm feeling great. How about you? How about you? I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying watching social media get all worked up and give their opinions and get their Twitter muscles uh, going and flexing over the firing of Marcus Arroyo and the potential of who is going to be the next coach. I, I want to ask you coming right out. I see you engaging with a lot of people on Twitter, which I think is awesome because, you know, you really care about UNLV football and you care about the future. And I know you like Marcus Arroyo. Um, I do wonder why you engage with people who don't have their real names on accounts. I, that's always one thing for me. If you're going to you're going to tweet anonymously at me, what's what's the point? Like you're not putting your name on it. I'm not going to really have a discussion. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. I, 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 I tend to not filter the people I engage with very thoroughly. I, it, but I, I, I like to express my opinion to people. And I, it's, it's one that, like you said, comes from a position of, of caring about the university, about my alma mater. So um, that's one side. And then I, I feel like there is um, sometimes a bit of a one-sided narrative that gets out about UNLV. And I, I like to defend against that one. Um, and give people who, like you, follow my social media and there's other fans that, that chime in um, more opportunities to engage with a different point of view and a different perspective about things. About things. Um, and um, I think I have I a valuable one, and that's that's part of why I give it. Um, but I, I, I genuinely am just interested in keeping the conversation going. If UNLV is at the center of people's interest, um, I think that's good for the program, and I think uh, that's one way I can help the program with, while while also voicing my own opinions about it. So uh, it, it, it's it's a kind of a guilty pleasure of mine. <laughs> the trolls, if you will, maybe maybe get the best of me sometimes because I, I I'm not afraid to engage. Um, and I think I have a temperament where I don't get angry too much about it. So, uh, but it's, 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 it's sometimes just fun. And sometimes there's, there's an objective. And I think right now to give the whole picture of what's going on with UNLV right now. So Caleb, it's been 48 hours, roughly, if not a little bit more than that. Um, for me, it's digested 
Has it digested for you? Where are your thoughts? Um, and, and, and not to regurgitate what we talked about a couple of days ago, but more so, have has there has anything changed for you now that you've had a chance to sort of just look at it, sit back at it, sit back, watch it, digest it? Uh, I think it, uh, almost immediately for me, digested it, it, it. That first day, the first 24 hours is always chaotic. Um, but I've been a part of it before. Um, and I've been a part of it where it actually impacted me more. And I think realistically for me um, in my personal life, this this doesn't change what what's going on with me, right? I, I mean, um, and, you know, my support is with the brick and mortar at UNLV. So I, I think I've always kind of had that stance. If there's any bias that I have, it's towards uh, the program and, and being program-oriented. Um, and coaches have changed over the past decade. And I understand the business of it, and it, it will happen. When I was a player and this happened, that transition when the coach got fired, it was a gut wrench, and it, it was definitely a lot harder to digest. So having dealt with that personally and the, the actual direct impact that it had on my life, this, from my perspective, from where I sit now today, um, was a little bit easier to digest. Um, I did like Marcus Arroyo. I think he was a good coach, and this is my subjective opinion. I understand that not everybody agrees, but I didn't have any issues with him, and I, I just – I, I did genuinely feel like he deserved another year, and that's that's a personal feeling of mine. I I now understand the business of college football and the business of football in general, and I, I have dealings with the NFL at the next level. It's it's the same thing. It's cutthroat. Um, your your personal feelings can't dictate your decision making. I think that's uh, something that we all have to understand and digest. So for me, the business of uh, promoting, I guess, from my position or for where I sit what I think may be the best path forward for UNLV as a program to uh, to make the transition as smooth as possible so that the players involved don't suffer, that the university doesn't suffer a big setback. I think that became my focus, and that was uh, that was more the way I digested the decision because uh, I can't get too hung up, and the university shouldn't get too hung up on looking backward if the goal is to move forward, regardless if it was with a Royal or, or some new coach coming in. Uh, the objective should be to move forward. I think that's what these last couple of days have been about. So I, th- <clears throat> I think the, the answer is easy as far as should UNLV accept a bowl bid. Um, for you, what is the main reason why they should accept a bowl bid? In line with what I just said, it's moving forward. It's the next step. Um, I think uh, that, is, that is probably uh, one of the biggest things that has been looming over UNLV, especially since I left, is that the bowl game has been elusive. And to, to finally get that, Notching the belt is a sign of progress uh, in a different way, but you get the progress, that symbolism of progress. I think it's also one of the biggest tools that UNLV has in their belt as far as re-recruiting the players who are on the bubble. And I know, I'm not sure if you guys already talked about it, but Adam Plant enters and going into the draft, and um, I'm sure a lot of different players with the firing Coach Roy are making the decision of whether or not they're going to return for eligibility reasons or for transfer portal reasons. Um, but the idea of going to a bowl game is something that I think the players would appreciate that experience, and uh, it would be a recruiting piece for to, for that roster attrition, keeping some guys from who are maybe on the bubble of transferring some key guys uh, at that. Um, so that's big. I think it should ultimately be up to the players. Um, it's what they earned. It's through their academic effort and what they did on the field this past season. Um, I think it will be big for them to be able to go, but uh, big picture is big for the program, and it's big for whoever the next coach is uh, to use that as a tool recruiting in the future. A bowl game is a big deal and something the university hasn't had in a long time. So I do think that they should. Um, 
that there's some moral dilemmas, I guess, with with how justified they'd be in doing it and, and having just fired the coach that really essentially got them there. Um, but I, that, I think you have to put that in the review um, and, and as a program move forward and say, hey, a bowl game is, is huge for progressing this program towards where we want to be. Taylor Perring is with us, uh, former UNLV quarterback, one of the voices of Rebel Football, uh, was the host of the Marcus Arroyo radio show. I assume will be the host of the new coaches show in the future, he's a regular here on Cofield and Company, and we do the UNLV All Access podcast every Wednesday going into a Thursday drop. All right, I sent you a big list of all the names I've compiled from fans, um, kind of media, and then real media. You can just fire out some names that you're interested in and also maybe some names that irk you. Um, I don't know if you got irked by some suggestions, but you have the floor if you want to start mentioning some coaching candidates and who you like, who you don't. Deion Sanders, that's it. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for eligibility if Dion's on the list. No, that, that, that's, I mean, that name obviously pops. And if there's any inkling of interest, if there's a chance, you take your shot at UNLV for a name like that. Um, you and I talked about David Shaw um, being a Stanford guy and the way that situation kind of fizzled out. But his consistency there is the thing that draws me to that name. That name. He was at Stanford for, it seems like, forever. Um, and I think a coach that's willing to be at a program for the long haul. Now, a situation may be different. Stanford and UNLV aren't the same. Um, so with his commitment to UNLV, uh, be there. But I, his commitment, his dedication, I think, is, is a, uh, he's a, a steadying presence. Uh, Gary Patterson is probably one of my favorite names on this list that we've got um, because of his path and where he is in, as a career. And I, I liken his scenario to what I see and what I saw with Jim Moore um, at UConn, and that being a guy that had success at a Power 5 level, fizzled out for whatever reason, reason uh, moved on to different aspects of his career, but then took a step back and absolutely took the world by storm with what he did in getting UConn to its first bowl game in some time as well. So UConn is uh, now what I see UNLV as potentially being. So Jim Moore higher, I think, lines up with the, the arc of Gary Patterson's coaching career and his success at TCU at the Power 5 level, climbing the ladder, taking TCU from Group of 5 to Power 5, having success, being top-ranked, highly uh, touted nationally. Um, and then his career kind of took a step back. He fizzled out. And now um, going after him for UNLV to turn UNLV around, similar to what you want. That's probably the most ideal situation I could see um, as far as what I would like to hire. Obviously, there's some names that pop. Keenan McCardell being a former player, um, an alumni. His NFL resume right now is obviously a draw for younger players to be able to tout that. Um, same deal with Shane Steichen. But the drawback with those two is they wouldn't be immediate hires. I don't think getting them through the door um, with the teams that they're currently with, the Eagles and the Vikings, being uh, being deep in the playoff contention, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. And I think that is an absolute negative when you're talking about what UNLV needs to do. Um, the amount of time lost in the recruiting and things like that, uh, as the UNLV offseason has already started, those things, I think, are setbacks that make me hesitant with those names. Um, but if something could be worked out, getting them on as coordinators or something like that down the road, hey, that would be great too. But I think of the list that we kind of, you kind of compiled, and Mike Stoops is on there as well, Scott Frost, some names like that, I think uh, Gary Patterson, for me, sticks out as what I would lean to as uh, my top runner of the list we have. This is, again, not an official list. We don't know. This is not inside information saying I talked to Eric Harper and this is who he's interested in. But just thinking about the field, Gary Patterson, I think, is one of the names that I would I would think of as a as a as a very respectable candidate. The uh, the RJ threw out a list and connected Eric Harper to his 
school that he played at and mentioned the OC and the DC at K-State. OC and DC were mentioned at Washington. What would – well, first of all, what do you think of those names? And then what would you think if they just – you know, they got rid of Arroyo and then brought in another coordinator? I think that would be an inconducive messaging. And I, it, it, the press conference was, you know, coaching experience was, was a factor. And he mentioned it several times. Somebody who's been a head coach, um, I think, was basically what you gathered from the initial statements after Arroyo's firing, which would have hinted that maybe there's some dissatisfaction with the fact that Arroyo himself didn't have head coaching experience. So to then make your big slash hire uh, be a coordinator who doesn't have head coaching experience would, would kind of be contradictory. And I think that type of messaging is, and that conflict in messaging is kind of, um, for UNLV, is something that's been a part of why there's been inconsistency and why you haven't been able to build and sustain success is because there's been inconsistency from the top-down messaging-wise. Um, and I think that's what Eric Harper's understanding needs to fix. So I, I would not be... Well, I, I, I should say I would be very surprised if the next head coach is a coordinator with no head coaching experience. Um, so that being said, Shane Steichen probably wouldn't get the nod by that thinking. But I think there's going to be more heavy emphasis on a head coach that's done it before and has the savvy of a head coach. And for obvious reasons, uh, I think that, that eliminates a lot of coordinators off the list. Um, but who knows? Nothing would surprise me. Um, and if there's a coordinator out there that is an absolute home run, then I think you take it. But um, I would be shocked if that was the top list of – if there's coordinators in the top of the list of candidates whenever UNLV gets that top list out to the public. I would be very surprised if there was a coordinator at the top of it. Last uh, minute here, I saw that one of the uh, local media people, Ray Brewer, put out DeMarco Murray for consideration. He's a three-year – college assistant um would you be in favor of that and if that's the case are you as qualified to be the head coach of the rebels <laughs> i well that, i mean three years as an assistant is probably is more than i've got on my resume um so i mean i i doubt that that gives you the qualifications to be a head coach uh, and that's just again it would be more of a project than a championship mindset and when you're thinking about what what the standard is what what the standard that you want to be a set with with firing Arroyo to begin with, um, you're not putting together projects. And I'd be a project. I mean, again, I would be more than happy to step up to the challenge and try. But that doesn't mean it'll be the best thing for the university. And I humbly say that. I'm not the best fit. I'd love to come on as a, as a, as a personnel coordinator, something like that, but I would not be a head coach. And, uh, again, I say that limited breadth of experience. While it's a big name and kids, you know, for recruiting purposes, would probably buy in and be on board with it initially – I think there's, you know, there's some substance missing from that kind of hire, and it doesn't send the right message, I think, or give confidence to the community as far as the X's and O's and wins and losses being the priority. I think uh, that would be more of a community-oriented hire along the lines of Tony Sanchez. But uh, when you're talking about championship pedigree and that being the expectation, I don't think those kind of experimental hires, albeit a good name, I don't think those experimental hires match the expectation. Caleb, you're awesome. Appreciate it. I'll talk to you later tonight as we'll uh, record and then uh, drop another UNLV All Access podcast. A lot more on the uh, list that we've put together, like I said, from media, kind of media, and fans. A really big wish list and lots of discussion on what's going to happen to UNLV football. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take care. There he is. Caleb Herring. Coaching candidate, Caleb Herring.
Um, I know he wants to get into coaching potentially. 30. He's got a good job now. I know he he'd be interested in getting into coaching. Yeah, but that's a big step because you is. know then uh, you know you're you're giving up whatever you're doing now. Um, but I also yeah I really I'm the the Dilfer thing kind of surprises me. I think there really is a reality check that needs to be kind of absorbed by people who are coaching candidates and then eventually accept jobs. Like, can you really do the job? And some people I think can examine who they are and others. I guess you shoot for the stars, man. Roll the dice, take a chance. It's a risk though.